Amen. You can be seated as you do so. If you want to open up your Bible to Romans chapter 8, that's where we'll be at this morning. I'm so delighted to be able to worship with you this morning uh, and for us to, uh, to really consider what does the Lord have for us as a people this year. If you're worshiping with us from home, I'm so glad that you're worshiping with us and just pray for a day where we'll all be able to worship as a church family together in person yet again. We'll be in Romans chapter 8. This is our Resolution Sunday. This is where uh, after a few months of prayer, um, we come before the people of Mosaic Church and say, this is what we believe God has laid on our heart for the people of Mosaic for this year, a resolution, something that we as a people will commit to, certainly by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. But it is our hope that what we lay out today will characterize the life of our church for this next year. And so as you turn to Romans 8, I want to tell you a story about a couple of years ago. I I went to hike Zion National Park with a dear friend of mine, Adam. Uh, We were hiking the Narrows, which is this just beautiful kind of cut through the gorge. You're hiking in water. It's uh, If you've seen a beautiful picture of a place that looks real wavy rock, it was probably from the Narrows. It's it's stunning. And we were were going to hike, and we were going to do the short hike, which is hiking from the bottom up, okay? That's about a three and a half mile hike. So we're walking and we're hiking up the Narrows, uh, and when we got to three and a half miles, we were like, you know what, it looks like it's still pretty just around the corner, like, let's hike a little bit further. So we kept going and we kept going till about five miles, and then we felt like, okay, we're, we're taxed, we were not prepared for this, let's start going back. And on the way back down, downhill, uh, we started to realize something, that the journey back felt more difficult than the journey up. Now, that was a surprise to us, because theoretically, we, we were on the downhill, and we couldn't figure out why, are we, why does this feel so much more difficult? It felt easier coming up than it does going down. And well, there was a glaring answer that was right in front of us, which is that we carried the first five miles of the hike back down with us. We weren't the same. Maybe the trail and the hike was the same but going back down, but we weren't the same. We had already hiked up. And I tell you that to say this. A couple of weeks ago, I was going back through journal entries of 2020, And I went all the way back to January of 2020. And in an entry on January 17th, I wrote, I have a sense that this year will be challenging. I almost feel as if we are on the edge of something magnificent, but the climb will be steep. This turned out to be more true than I would have cared to admit and that I would care to admit today. And if we aren't careful, we might carry that first half of the hike back down with us. Not just the fatigue, The fatigue is something that God will have to bring into rest slowly. What we might be found carrying into 2021 will be all the heartache, bitterness, fear, anxiety, entitlement, and shame of a previous year into the next year. All the things that God invites us to lay down at his feet, we might find two, three weeks into 2021 that we're determined to carry the boulder that God has been willing to receive on our behalf. Every year at Mosaic, we begin with a resolution. I take a few days away from all the hustle and bustle to meet with the Lord, to speak with the Spirit of God, and to listen to his voice. And I ask the Lord one question, what is your heart for the people of God? And I just keep praying and fasting and praying and fasting until I feel gripped by that. And this year, oh, it was a sudden answer. (laughs) Sometimes the Lord speaks in moments of stillness, and sometimes he speaks in the whirlwind. And this year, as I sought the Lord, what I heard over and over again was the Lord asking us to be a people who rejoice in and release the unbreakable love of God in Christ. To be a people who rejoice in and release 
the unbreakable love of God in Christ Jesus. And when I wrote this out over two months ago, I could not imagine that I'd be preaching it on a Sunday following the week that we've had. But now, more than ever, more than two months ago, this country, this world, our community needs true followers of Jesus Christ, not just people comfortable slapping Jesus on whatever banner they want to carry anyways. That's what we need. More of that. And to be compelled by that can only happen through one thing, and that is the love of God. Romans 8, 15 through 17 is what I'm going to read for us this morning. And then I'm going to walk us through just a few key parts of Romans 8 as we root ourselves in this resolution. So I'll read Romans 8, 15 through 17. And afterwards, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And it's an invitation for you to give thanks and to respond and say, thanks be to God that he hasn't left his people in silence, that he has spoken. Let me read Romans 8, verses 15 through 17 for us. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. What I want you to see about God's unbreakable love is that it accomplishes two crucial things. It frees us from something and it frees us to something. It frees us from something and it frees us to something. Look at Romans 8.1. Paul begins this chapter, a glorious chapter, by saying, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, the first thing that God's radical love does is it frees us from the judgment of God and the terror of shame. God's radical love frees us from the judgment of God and the terror of shame. This is what God's love in Christ does. It begins to free us from the very things that condemn us to a life apart from God in sin, death, and darkness. You see, apart from Christ Jesus, we are compromised by sin. Sin has affected and infected us from our very birth. We are compromised by sin, and because of that, we are apart from God. And we can have no access to him because of the uncleanliness and the sinfulness of our broken condition. But we're not just compromised by sin, we are covered by shame. We're covered by shame. And shame is not just more of the same. Shame is that thing that registers that we are alienated from God. It's that thing that corrupts not just our relationship with God, but our relationship with others and our relationship with self. So we're compromised by sin. We're covered by shame. And because of sin, we are under the just condemnation of God. And I know this is part of the bad news of the good news of the gospel, that we are born into this world under the just and holy condemnation of God, that we are condemned in accordance with our sin because we are at odds with God that we are by nature children of wrath, enemies of God. And yet Paul begins Romans 8 by saying, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say in Romans 8, in verse 8, he says, you can't obey your way into salvation. Why? Because those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 8. 
So we can't even work our way back up. It's not a debt that we can repay on our own. And so not only are we born compromised by sin, not only are we born covered by shame, not only are we born condemned by God, we're born incapable of earning our way back into God's favor and love. It's impossible. It's impossible. And that's bad news, but it leads to gloriously good news, which is this. Romans 8.2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free. Where? In Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You see, in Christ Jesus, we are free from the power of sin. We are free from the power of shame, and we are free from the penalty of sin. See, this is the beginning of God's radical love for us, is that as he brings us into Christ Jesus, he frees us from all of the things that we had been shackled to. And a lot of us are searching for freedom. And this is where true freedom begins, where we are no longer condemned by sin, where we are no longer marked by defining shame, and where we are no longer compromised by sin. And it can only be found in Jesus. You know, you may think to yourself, I don't think that I have ever received this kind of forgiveness. You may feel as if you live under condemnation, that shame is not an exception. Shame is the rule for you. You may feel terrified that God would know your deepest and darkest and that you couldn't possibly be forgiven. And the Apostle Paul, over and over again in Romans and explicitly throughout Romans 8, says, do you want to be rescued from sin, shame, death, and Satan, and the judgment of God, then come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and be rescued from those things. You may struggle as a believer to believe that you have been given freedom from shame. You may feel that God has forgiven you, but that you are merely tolerated now. But see, it's not just that God has rescued from something as if his love is a divine etch-a-sketch and the best that he could do was erase your failures. No, God has put something in its place because the good news of God's radical and unbreakable love is not just that it rescues us from these things, but it rescues us to something different. And this is what Paul goes on to say in Romans 8, 15 through 17. I just read it a moment ago, but he begins by saying, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You see, the good news of God's love is that it frees us from shame and sin and the judgment of God, but it also frees us to living as children you see, the good news of the gospel is not just that you're forgiven. The great news of the gospel is that you're welcomed. God isn't a judge who has merely agreed to tolerate your presence among his people. God is a loving father who says, you are now my child. And that nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. See, God's love in Christ Jesus frees us. It rescues us to live as children of God. See, in Christ Jesus, we aren't merely forgiven we are welcomed. And this is my fundamental goal in life is to convince you that you are truly beloved in Jesus and that nothing can change that because ultimately your beloved estate, it is held by the faithfulness of Christ on your behalf. 
Nothing can change it. You can't lose it because you couldn't gain it. Jesus is keeping it for you now and for always. So many of us live our Christian life as if we are in debtor's prison, paying back to God the forgiveness he has granted to us. But that's no good news at all. The Christian life isn't debtor's prison, paying back to God an insurmountable debt. The Christian life is to be a part of God's family, to love in the beloved estate of the Father. This is the good news, that we have been given a new identity. And as children, in accordance with Romans 8, 13 through 14, what does it say? It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You see, what we get to do as children is we get to look to mature and grow as children of God. But our maturation and our growth doesn't call into question our identity as children of God. You see that? That's incredible news because it means two things. One, it means that you can strive to actually grow in your relationship with the Lord, to grow in your enjoyment of his love, to grow in your knowledge of who he is and what he has done. You can aspire to grow as a disciple of Jesus knowing that if you take any steps back, guess what? You do not lose your identity as a child. Isn't that good news? That you don't have to earn your salvation and that as you grow, your salvation is never compromised by any steps back. And if you have walked with the Lord for any length of time, you know there will be as many steps back as there are steps forward and at no point is the foundation of God's love removed. That's good news. Tell me where you can get that bet anywhere else. Tell me where you can get that assurance anywhere else. That God is going to do the great work in you and that if you fail, guess what? He's still faithful. That is good news that we are rescued from sin, judgment of God, shame, and the power of Satan. And we're free now to live as children of God. Not merely forgiven, but welcomed. You see, this is where Christian freedom grows. If it begins in salvation, it grows in discipleship to the love of God. We are no longer slaves of sin. We're sons and daughters of God in Christ Jesus. And this, and this alone, is the fundamental marker of Christian identity. I am a child of God. And this week was another reminder that it is a very strong and ever-present temptation to find your identity in something else. This week, we saw the vile symbols of white supremacy held next to crosses and Jesus saved shirts as people literally rushed law enforcement in our capital determined to take back political power they believe will save them or keep them safe. And let me pause here to say something that we have said and will continue to say. White supremacy and Christian nationalism are vile, wicked, and demonic, and they are so prevalent in our nation's history that all of us have been affected and infected by them. And it requires a recovery of true Christian identity to say, I will not believe the false stories of the world. I will not believe the false stories of my community. I will believe the true story of Jesus Christ. And for that, I will give up everything for that. We must be a people who say the fundamental reality of my life is that I am in Christ and I am a child of God. You and I long to be loved. 
You were created to live in the love of God, but because of sin, that connection has been fractured. And there are a thousand voices that are claiming that if you will give them your full allegiance, they will give you the love, the safety, and the security that you were created to live in. And all of them will fail but Jesus. Every single one of them. They've all been tried and tested and found wanting. But do you know who has delivered over and over and over and over again? It is God. God has done it and he has done it in Jesus. The delighting love of God for his children is the foundation of our growth as disciples in worship, in mission, in obedience, and disciple making. And make no bones about it. Deep discipleship is the only way for the church of Jesus to find its way out of the moral fog of our present day. That's it. It's to be discipled by Jesus before we are discipled by any other voice. Are you bothered by what happened this week? God is inviting you to more fully embrace a new identity in Jesus, to live as a child of God before you are a citizen, an employee, a student, a single, a husband, a father, a wife, a mother, a friend, a neighbor. Before all these things, Christians are children of God. Are you bothered by what happened this week? Push deeper into following Jesus and invite as many people as you possibly can into doing that too. Are you bothered by what happened this week? Spend less time listening to the news or doom scrolling social media and open up your Bible and read and hear the very voice of God and pray and say, God, speak. Speak through your word. Are you bothered by what happened this week? Go to your knees and ask God, where is there wickedness in my life? Do I harbor hate? Am I enamored or enticed with conspiracy theories? God, drive out the darkness in the corners of my heart. This is what it means to go and to follow Jesus. And do you know what you find when you bring the sickness and the brokenness of your heart and the sickness and the brokenness of the world around us? Do you know what God gives you? Because I'll tell you what the world will give you when you confess your brokenness. They will give you a double dose of shame in every way that they can. But do you know what God will give you when you bring these things to him? More grace than you can comprehend. What sounds better to you? A voice of wisdom or a voice of confusion? Shame upon shame or grace upon grace? What have we settled for? What mess of porridge have we sold our inheritance for that we would miss out on the love of God so that we can put our eyes on the foolishness of the world? Paul goes on in Romans 8, 37 through 39 to tell us this. We're not only free to live as children of God. Do you know what kind of children we are? Victorious children. Victorious children. He says in verses 37 through 39. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You see, we're not just rescued from sin, death, shame, and Satan. We're not just rescued to live as children. We're rescued to live as children of a victorious king. More than conquerors. You see, God's love in Christ frees us to face the darkness of the world with hopeful strength, with hopeful honesty, with a clear confidence 
We know that last year was dark and weary, whether at a personal level with the trials in your home or at a national level with the injustice and divisions in our nation or at a global level with death and destruction of a pandemic. 2020 was a year that we were reminded that the world was broken by darkness, evil, and death. And 2021 has begun with a dark week. And yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What could this possibly mean for us after a week like the week we've had, after a year like the year we've had? It means this. It means that we are too often timid to admit this great reality. Victory has been secured by Jesus. God has won the war. Death does not have the final word and the end of all sickness is coming. We are people of the promise. King Jesus is coming again to make the whole world whole again for good forever. And his people will be kept by him until that day no matter what. We are a people, children of God, of assured victory. Not because someone won a presidential election, not because a vaccine is just around the corner, not because we have more than enough money, not because we have a safe house in a great neighborhood. We are a people of assured victory because our king, King Jesus, is ruling and reigning over the world and has already defeated the powers of sin, death, darkness, and demons, and this king is coming again. This is where our freedom blossoms. This is what sets us apart from the world. Let me tell you what your neighbors don't need any more of. They don't need any more of your gossip. They don't need any more of your advice about our current political circumstances. They don't. They don't need any more of your pontification about what will solve the world outside of Jesus. What they need is the unbreakable love of God in Christ Jesus. And you need it too. And I need it too. This is what we need. This is where life is. This is where joy is. And this is the only thing that will be able to fuel us to live as a people of holiness, of peace, of justice, and of grace. This is where Christian freedom blossoms. To be a people who are no longer controlled by fear of abandonment, fear of death, fear of evil. Who are confident in the coming victory celebration that we can experience this true freedom. It's actually possible to enjoy it and to know it. And we can ask God, God, would you give us a deeper delight in who you are and what you've done? Let me ask you, what do you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus this morning? What are you carrying from last year or carrying from this week that you think is greater than his love? Because there's nothing Neither height, nor depth, nor famine, nor danger, nor nakedness, nor sword, nor anything else in all of creation can separate you and I from the love of God in Christ Jesus. This year, Mosaic Church resolves to be a people who rejoice in and release the unbreakable love of God in Christ. Why? Because it sets us free. Because it's the only good news that we have. And because it's the best news that we've ever heard. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you for your grace and mercy. God, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning, not just every year. And we confess that we need them. We need them. We need your grace. God, we need a deeper experience and a deeper delight of what it means to be rescued from and rescued to. Free us, God. We ask that you would. I pray, Spirit of God, that you would work in our hearts.
I pray for those here who believe that they still live under the just condemnation of God or alienated from God by shame. And I pray that they would come and to receive grace upon grace. For with you, the well of grace is inexhaustible. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the reality that you have invited us to not merely be forgiven, but to be children of God. We pray these things in the name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit. Amen.